Isn't that exciting? Now, that's a great thing to talk about on the phone uh, is memory work and uh, try to work on the Word of God. And you know what? When you do that, it's amazing what God will do in your heart. And uh, he'll bless and work. And I know many of you have worked on that memory verse and, uh, and the other ones for our Bible study tonight. And you've been working on those. Thank you so much for your diligence in that matter, meditating on the Word of God. It's an encouragement to me, and uh, it's an encouragement to these children as well, the little ones, and they're going to work on this verse right now. So kids, you come up this way, and we're going to do Genesis 1-1, which some of you already know, so it's easy. But uh, you all can come up here and sit right on the front row, right there. There you go, right on the front row. And uh, you guys are already on the second row. You're good, okay? And... Annika, by the way, a belated happy birthday to you, and I'm so glad you're here in church with us. That's awesome. All right, we have our, our Bible verse up here, Genesis 1-1. Everybody's going to help the children with this today. Let's say it together, everyone. Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Genesis 1-1. Now, children, do you think you can say it just with pastor? Just you children, all right? Try to say it with me, all right? Ready, begin. We're going to do the reference first, all right? Try to say it in your loudest voice, okay? Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Genesis 1-1. You guys did wonderful. Now, I have a story for you today that I read in a book, and I was reading in this book this morning. You know, kids, it's great to get up early in the morning and read. It's an awesome thing. The book is called Why Ministry in Forgotten Communities Matters, and uh, some of you have lived in Granville all of your life, and you probably feel like, you know what? It's kind of a, there's, it's a small town, and uh, we wonder if God can allow, God can do great things, and I think sometimes unbelief can hold back the work of God, but I read this story of a man, and uh, he grew up as a little boy. All men one time were little boys, okay? And all, all women were one time little girls, okay? This man's name was William Grimshaw. He was born in 1708. Did any of you children live way back then? 1708? You weren't, that was like 300 years ago. Wow! That was a long time ago. There's nobody alive that's that old, okay? But this man, he grew up in this little agricultural town in Lancashire, England. He went to Cambridge University... And he later described his time at the university as a time of learning to drink, to swear, and to become, become as vile as the worst. He became a very bad man while he was at college. This man, as an unconverted man, unsaved man, was ordained to the Church of England. And he went to a little town called Tomerden, England, where he served as a pastor for 11 years. He wasn't even saved, but he served there for 11 years. During that time, he married, he had two children. And then he became a young widow when his wife Sarah died. Her death caused him to go into depression. And a year and a half later, he came to a major turning point in his life. He went to a friend's house and he read a book. The book was called The Doctrine of Justification, which sounds like really big words, but it basically means Jesus died for our sins and that his death is the substitute for our sins. Well, he read that book. And by the time he finished reading that book, he put his faith in Jesus Christ. He, he had the joy of the Lord come in his heart. He got saved. And, you know, when people get saved, great things happen in their life, children. And then, in 1742, so now he's in his 30s, he was appointed the minister at Hayworth in Yorkshire, England. He was there for 21 years. That's a long time, right? Are any of you 21 years old? No. No, right? That's a long time. He came to a very small church in a very small place. And while the church, or while the place stayed small, the church didn't. There was about... 2,000 people living in that town, 
and it was called a rough, uncivilized place. J.C. Ryle says it was humorous. It was so humorous there was a legend that one time the first carriage came into the town. The people didn't know what a carriage was, so they gave it straw and tried to feed it like an animal. They didn't know what it was. And uh, John Newton said that when he came to Hayworth, there was, the people had little more sense of religion than, the, than their cattle. They were wild and uncultivated like the mountain rocks. The people were crazy. But... The, this church was in a tiny place with only a handful of people regularly receiving the Lord's Supper. It was decidedly an uncompromising place for pastoral work, but God had big plans. Grimshaw preached the gospel with powerful sermons, and, and one man said of his life that his life was real, it was full of fire, reality, and earnestness. The church seemed like a totally different place from, where, from other churches around it, and the word of the gospel began to spread around Hayworth. And the people uh, who were not receiving the gospel in their own churches came to that church and got saved. And one time, in just a year and a half, he saw 120 people come to church and get saved. And uh, just four years after he arrived, 400 to 500 people were regularly worshiping together and taking the Lord's Supper. During the winter months, they would have almost 1,200 people in church. Now, remember, the town only had 2,000 people, so over half of the town showed up for church. That's pretty awesome. And a great awakening started, of course, with the names of John Wesley and George Whitfield. And they, as they preached, the building was enlarged, and Grimshaw continued as the pastor, and God began to continue to work. Now, this story of Hayworth reminds us that God can use one person to do great things. And children, God can use your life in a small town, to do great things, to help other people around you, and to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to everyone you meet. I thank God for this story and how God used this man, William Grimshaw. And so, kids, God wants to use you in great ways. Now, Easter Sunday, we're going to do something special. We're going to have a big candy scramble right outside, right there in the lobby. When you go outside, we're going to have a bunch of candy out there, okay? So you can invite your friends, and after church, we're going to have a bunch of candy right out in the lobby, and we're going to see who can get the most and fill their bags up, okay? So we're going to have a bunch of candy for you, and it'll be awesome. And if any of you want to help bring candy for that, let me know, okay? Uh, so you children can go back to your seats. You did a wonderful job. And you guys are awesome. I love children in the house of God. It's great to have them, and we praise the Lord for them. Brother Stalcup, I want to, without further ado, let you come on up here. Don't forget to turn your microphone on, brother, and uh, let you share uh, a little bit about your ministry and go ahead and preach to us. God bless you, brother. Welcome to Calvary Baptist Church. Well, thank you so much, Pastor. Thank you, Calvary Baptist Church. It has been a, a, a um, time that we have been looking forward to getting to be up here with you and we've been been counting the days and, and excited about um, presenting the burden that God has put on our hearts uh, actually in the state of New York because our mission field we are missionaries called to New York City and so we've been traveling on deputation and we've been it's, if you're not familiar with that term, it's, it's uh, when missionaries travel around as they make preparations to head to their field and uh, find churches that they want to, to partner with them and, and want to be challenged in regards to missions. And so we've been traveling, we've been all over the country, and now finally, uh, this is the first time, the first Sunday, that we have a meeting in the state of our mission field. And so this is great, this is fun, and, and thank you so much uh, for your hospitality. Uh, pastor and, and whoever helps take care of uh, the um, room downstairs, the hospitality room, the missions um, 
room, the prophet chamber, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's been a real blessing. It made it easy for getting ready for church this morning uh, that we didn't have to travel in from far. We could just come upstairs. And so what a blessing. Um, this is my family. My wife, Kristen. I praise the Lord for the dear wife that God has given me. What a tremendous encouragement she is in the ministry. If you get a chance, it's coming by our table or sometime after the service or, or uh, at the afternoon Bible study. If you want to just ask my wife a little bit more about what God has called her to in this ministry. She enjoys sharing uh, her burden for the Muslim ladies and, and her role in the community center and some of these various things. And so uh, what an encouragement she is. She already has been in our plans and she shares the same burden and what, what excitement she already has. Uh, my children, Anna Faith is a live wire and full of energy. We praise the Lord for her. And then Tim Jr. Um, right here. He is, she's six and he is four. And we had uh, a good time going down with the sheds yesterday to uh, see your local waterfall, local tourist attraction right here about a mile away. And that was a lot of fun. Uh, our family getting to know their family just a little bit more. And, and so uh, we've, we've already come to appreciate uh, here this Granville area. It's a beautiful part of the country. Well, uh, I'd like to um, share a little bit more about what, um, fill in a couple of details. Sometimes a, a video helps to answer some questions, but sometimes it, it creates a few more questions too. And so even if I don't answer every question that's on your mind, feel free to ask us afterwards as well. Uh, anything that we can clarify um, that may have been confusing or if you have questions about uh, being a more effective witness to Muslims. We don't claim to have all the answers, and we, you can't uh, put any people group in a box uh, about how to be a more effective witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But, but there are some principles from the Word of God that we can learn uh, about sharing the gospel with others, and we'd be glad to share anything that we have been learning with you. We are sent out of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Kings Mountain, North Carolina. Uh, I believe that every, uh, everybody who heads out into a different work in a different place, uh, if they are, every missionary should be, should be sent out of a local church. And so it's not just our, our agenda, our ideas, but, uh, but we praise the Lord for Emmanuel Baptist Church and their burden for seeing us go to New York City and, and get involved in this ministry. And we're working with Worldwide New Testament Baptist Missions. I want to read a verse, Acts chapter 17 and verse 26. If you want to turn there, you can. We're not going to stay there for the, the morning service. Uh, but Acts chapter 17 and verse 26, it, here we have the Apostle Paul on the second missionary journey when he has been traveling, preaching the gospel in various places. And he had been preaching to the uh, Athenians, the, the people of Athens. And he preached uh, to the people in Mars Hill. And he began to tell them how that you worship, uh, that you have an, an inscription to what you call the unknown God. Well, who is this unknown God? And he began to explain to them. Uh, he said, him whom you ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. And he used an opportunity from the context of the culture to begin to get right into the gospel. That's a great thing to do. Now there is a, a popular misconception in sharing the gospel with Muslims that uh, people try to pull out of this passage uh, incorrectly. And some people say, well, see, what did Paul do here? Paul, Paul saw that they were already worshiping the unknown God. And so he said, well, let me just fill in a few details about who he really is. And so that's what we do with Muslims as 
what, uh, or, or with other people of other religions. You know, they're already worshiping God. We just need to clarify a couple details about Jesus Christ and add Jesus in in a little more clarity. And then they can be Jewish followers of, uh, or, or they can be, uh, or, um, they, they can be fo um, Islamic followers of Jesus, or they can be Messianic Jews, or they can be uh, whatever the term may be, uh, mixing Jesus Christ in with a false system of religion. And that's not what, Je what um, the Apostle Paul did here. Uh, this isn't the main point I was trying to make, but it is a side point that, does a, uh, that is used in some, among some people in their witness to Muslims. What was it the Apostle Paul did? He said, you have this inscription, but you don't have a clue who you're worshiping. And, and in fact, uh, he said, you ignorantly worship. In Acts chapter 17, verse 24, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. In other words, God doesn't need your false system of worship. God doesn't need your false religion. God has already given us his word that tells us how we come to him, and that's through Jesus Christ. And so then he, uh, later in the, in the chapter, began to explain what the gospel is. Uh, but I wanted to, a reason I brought you here, though, uh, wasn't to address that primarily, but verse 26 says, speaking of God, hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. And so speaking of the various nations, the various ethnic groups, the various peoples across, uh, across the world, uh, God has, has not made us all uh, cookie-cutter um, robots or, or, or stamped out uh, exact replicas one of another like snowflakes. We're all unique, aren't we? And, and yet, of all the various ethnic background, we're all of one blood. What does this mean? We can take racism, ball it up, and throw that out the window. It has no part in the Christian life, no part in the, in the church of Jesus Christ. Uh, we're all of one blood. So as we share the gospel with other people, as we find ourselves in New York City, or as, as immigrants are moving to America and even moving further out from the city and moving to our, our uh, smaller towns and suburbs, we must remember we're all of one blood. And so as we meet people that look different or maybe talk different or dress different, speak a different language... Let's remember that they get saved with the same gospel of Jesus Christ that you and I get saved with. And sometimes uh, we've heard it said, well, isn't it difficult? Isn't it dangerous witnessing to Muslims? Or isn't it complicated? Uh, you know, they have all their deep religion. Well, so do the Amish, and so do the, the, the Jewish, and so do the Catholic, and so do the Lutheran, and so do everybody uh, has their own form of their idea of who God is. But let's... Stick with the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and, and let's, let's not uh, put up this in our mind, this idea that, well, these certain people, it's, it's hard to get the gospel to them. Um, a second thing here in this passage, it says that, that speaking of these people groups, that God hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. God has his hand in the time and the place of, of where people are, of where these various people groups are. Now, I'm not trying to get political or make a, a statement about borders and walls and boundaries. And I know our, our country's been in, in, in a political um, discussions for, for here for a good number of years about these things. But maybe God has allowed somebody to be our neighbor. Again, I'm not trying to say that it's God's will for somebody to be here illegally. I'm not saying that. 
Uh, but maybe God may have allowed somebody to be our, to be our neighbor because God has his hand in, in who, where people, these various people are, verse 27, that they should seek the Lord. If happily, they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. Well, what if that neighbor is, is here illegally? Well, even, even then, just the same, they have more chance of getting right with government and getting, if they get right with God. And, and so, uh, as, as we see others around us, let's remember, they get saved with the same gospel message that you and I do, and, and they, uh, they, need, they need the gospel. Maybe God may have allowed somebody to cross your paths because they're from a, a Hindu or Muslim or Mormon or Catholic or some other background where they might not have heard the gospel message where they had been. Well, uh, I mentioned on the video that I accepted Christ as my Savior, August 21st, 1987, when I was a young child. And my older sister told me that, that I was a bad person and, going, and on my way to hell. And I told Mom to tell her to quit picking on me. But um, Mom said, actually, what she said was true. We have all broken God's laws. and We all deserve an eternity separated from God. Well, that night, my dad explained to me the truth of Romans 5, 8. While I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. And, and he died for you, for each one of us, that individually, that if we'll trust him, we can have eternal life and we can have a relationship with God. And, and that night I did. I asked the Lord to be my Savior. And, and ever since then, I've been a child of God. Not, not saying I am perfect, but I am a child of God. And, and that's what this is all about. That's what missions is all about, is someone telling other people how to know God. Not how to know about God, how to know God. And, and this is what God has called us to do, go, heading to New York City. Well, the Lord had given us uh, a burden for, for the people from Central Asia uh, for some time. And, and then uh, I, we had made plans. We were heading to New York City. Had, we have a, a burden for starting a community center where we're going to be teaching English, helping people get their GEDs, helping people with citizenship classes, some of the physical needs of immigrants, uh, because that's what missions is all about? No, but because it will be an inroad, uh, an opportunity for continued uh, connection, continued engagement, continued repeated uh, conversations that where we can continue to, re to share the gospel uh, with people. I'm all in favor of mass evangelism. I'm all in favor of, of uh, street preaching and handing out a, a box full of gospel tracts. But there's also a value in being able to build relationships, build harvest relationships, even as Jesus Christ did, as he had opportunities uh, with the woman at the well and, and other places where we can get into con deeper conversations and, and even lengthier repeated conversations and continue to share the gospel. And, and that's what, what I'm sure is your goal as well, even here in Granville. And so, so we're looking forward to doing that in New York City. And we're going to be working with Heritage Baptist Church. Uh, our burden is to see them get saved, be added to the local church, be discipled there. And we're excited about what they're doing. Also working with a uh, Collegians for Christ in a campus ministry. And uh, it, was, it was when... Um, if I could just back up just a minute and just, just mention this too. When, we were, when I was in Afghanistan in 2018, I had the opportunity to take a trip over there that uh, I, a preacher friend of mine, he, he looked at me. We were sitting in the second floor of this house in Mazari Sharif, and he said, you've been in, in the country here for a couple weeks. Are you going to be content to head back to New York City and have some kind of a ministry among the immigrants there? And... I had to look at him straight in the eyes and say, well, if God is 
burdened me and called me to New York City, I, I could be content doing nothing less. And uh, so we began deputation mentioning that it's, it is complicated moving to a foreign country and, and, and that, that, it, that there's visa hurdles and, situa and, and things along that line. That, but, but that's not really the main issue. And the main issue is God has burdened us. God has called us. And the Lord used that trip in 2018 just to confirm and just to remind me why it is that we're going to New York City because God has burdened us uh, for, for the city. If you would please take your Bibles and turn to the book of James and chapter number 4. There's so much more that could be said. Um, if you would stop by our table, we don't claim to have all the answers, uh, but how to reach Muslims with, uh, with the gospel of Jesus Christ and how to talk to Muslims about Christ. Just a little booklet that I would encourage you to pick up. Anything that's on our table, any, any printed materials, help yourself too. Uh, take a prayer card. Also, for the young people in the room, it's good to see young people. We have some children's activity books, if that's something that they would be interested in. It's geared for maybe... Um, it's really geared for about a, a five-year-old to a 12-year-old, somewhere in there. But it, it, if your child or young person could use one of those, it uh, just helps uh, encourage young people to think about the mission field that's around us, particularly the Islamic nations who need Jesus Christ. Uh, but um, this little booklet that we put together sums up some of the things that we've been learning, including things along the, 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 the lines of, of um, what the Muslims believe and how to answer their arguments and their attacks from the scriptures. Uh, things about even just basics for uh, approach, approaching a Muslim. Uh, if you want to just jot this down, uh, we don't have time to get into that whole booklet, but one of the most important words that you could share if, if you meet a Muslim person, one of the most important conversation starters and one of the most important words to, to mention is spelled H-I, and that's it, H-I, hi. Uh, sometimes we, we think that, that um, witnessing to Muslims is so complex and the culture is so different that it can overwhelm a person uh, when they think about how do I approach somebody who's so different. Well, let's keep the main thing the main thing. The gospel is, is still the same and, uh, and they're, they're people that we just need to reach out to uh, with love and compassion. But in the book of James in chapter number 4, and I want to start reading in verse number 13. Go to now ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we will do this. Uh, we shall live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd help us to apply what you want us to apply from your word this morning. I thank you for the clarity of your word and for the simplicity of it. Help us to be willing to apply, to take heed to your word as your word shows us your will and it is good, and, and it is perfect. Help us to desire to please you in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in this passage, we are, we are admonished about the brevity of life. Uh, here he says, um, whereas 
Ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? Verse 14, it is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time. Life is short. Uh, in the cold, there's still a little bit of snow piled around, and sometimes in the, on a cold day, we know it's up here in New York, uh, you can go outside and just breathe, and, and you see your air frost out in front of you. And, and that's, that's kind of neat. Some parts of the country don't see that too often. Well, I couldn't just put that in a jar and then take it with me somewhere else. Because why? Because it appears for a little time and vanishes away. That's, that's how a vapor does. And, and so it doesn't last, and that's our life. Well, how is it that we say our life is compared to, to that? Well, uh, even if you should live to be 80 or 90 or 100 years old, if you take even 100 years and put that as a fraction over, we're created for eternity, aren't we? We're going to spend eternity somewhere. And so for the rest of eternity, if you, if you put 100 over eternity, what kind of a fraction is that? I mean, what, I don't know if we have any math gurus in here that could simplify that down, but 100 years over compared to eternity isn't much of a comparison. It's not. It almost balances out to almost zero. It's, it's a dot in the whole span of life. Our entire life it, here on this earth. It's, it's just but a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. My brother pastors in Iowa, and to get to know the community a little bit better, uh, he is volunteered as a volunteer firefighter in the community. And he sent me a text a while back uh, saying he had his first fire. He'd been training with them and, and uh, practicing and so forth, but, but hadn't had any fires called in their little town for some time until finally he texted and said he went to his first fire. And uh, I, I asked if everyone survived. He said, yep, a friend of mine's barn. He had a dump trailer, a bass boat, a woodworking shop, a lot of tools, some brand new virtual reality archery targets, a calf, and a bunch of sentimental items that are all toast now. Rather hard time for him, for sure. I said, glad no lives were lost, though, but that's still rough. He said, it was fully engulfed when we got there. All we could do was try to contain it so that nothing else caught. We called in the, uh, the OCL of the, the town beside us, their fire department, to help, too. Uh, he said um, he, he wasn't going to get much sleep um, that, that next day because um, he didn't get to bed till 4. I said, uh, you say it's a friend of yours. Does he know the Lord? He said, no, he, he doesn't believe he does. Pray for him as he tries to minister to him. And as I thought about that, I thought, wow, wow. Um, yeah, life's short. All of those things. Uh, uh, Archery target, virtual, um, I don't even understand what, what all that was. Some of that technical, modern archery target stuff and, and some tools, woodworking tools and a calf and, and a boat, gone. Yeah, we can try to accumulate things in this life. For what? It's going to be gone. Uh, a fire can remind us of that, but even if we don't face a fire, eventually this life's going to be over and it's not going to be ours. We don't get to take it with us. And, and then we continue reading through the passage and it says, but for that ye ought to say, because verse 13 said, these people were saying, we're going to go into this city, we're going to have a, a business negotiation, we're going to buy some things in this other city, we're going to be able to make some sales, we're going to make some financial profits, some financial gains, and we're going to come back and... and did God say that it's wrong to be rich? No. Did he say it's wrong to make a profit? No. But he said, for that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. There are many rich people in the Bible. Abraham, 
who was very rich, uh, various other people had great wealth that they used for the Lord. But, but the question is, is it God's, is what we're doing in our life God's will? Because God, our life is so short. So what is God's will for our lives? We often, uh, as missionaries, like to say, God has called me to do this. It is God's will for me to go to, to this mission field, to go serve him in this way. And, and people say, well, I want to know what God's will is for me. I want to know, God, dear Lord, what do you want me to do with my life? Verse 16 says, but you rejoice in your boastings. If we rejoice, saying, oh, I'm going to do this with my life. But we haven't consulted what does God want me to do with my life. Then verse 17 says, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, it is sin. It is sin for us to not desire to do what God wants us to do with our lives, to do God's will. To do, when we say God's will, God's plan for us, God's direction in our lives. Some people may ask, what, what college should I attend? Or whom should I marry? Or what career should I enter? Where should I live? What church should I join? Where should I send my kids to school? What bills should I have? How should I invest my finances? What is God's will for me in this concept of missions and evangelism and sharing the gospel or church involvement? What is God's will for me in my service for him? What does God even have a plan for my life? I think we could go back to Proverbs chapter 3. And, and we can see uh, one of the most commonly quoted verses in the Bible, Proverbs chapter 3, in verse, verse number 5, we read, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways they acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. So God wants to guide our paths, he wants to direct us. But then doesn't God give us a free will? Well, we can go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. In the, in the beginning, the foundation, I appreciated that, going back to Genesis, that's, that's where our foundation is lost. And in Genesis chapter 1, we read that God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And what, and what, how, in numerous ways, we reflect the God who made us. We're not gods, but we reflect him, and we're in his image in numerous ways. We have a soul, so we'll live forever. We have communication, different than the animals and so but one of the ways that we reflect God in his image is the fact that God has given us responsibility. He has given us stewardship. He has entrusted to us our lives and the ability to make decisions. And it's led in this very much where we may or may not have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the valley of the air and over everything that creeps upon the sea or appears upon the earth. And so God has given man responsibility over the earth and then God holds man's man for the decisions for the responsibility that he has entrusted to them. So how do we balance these balance lines? They have to be very very And thine ears and ears shall work even behind thee, saying, saying, this is the way, this is the way, walk ye in it. If we will search for scripture, we will find what we seek for the love of our He wants to guide our steps. And in just the last couple of minutes, the minutes we have together, I want us to just look at a few verses throughout scripture that talk about how we know that we are in the will of God, that we are following the will of God. If you want to 
But then not only are you saved, if you want to know the will of God, are you saved? That's God's will for you. But are you serving? Are you serving God? Uh, Psalm 40, verse 8 says, I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. Do we delight to please God, to do his will, to do? Uh, when it says, I delight to do thy will. Well, I'd like to know what the will of God is and do it. Well, the rest of the verse explains what God's will is. Yea, thy law, right here, thy law, God's word, is in mine heart, uh, is within my heart. So if we say we want to know God's will, are we in God's word? We could look down to Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 21 that says, Now the God of peace make you perfect in every good work to do his will. Are we excited about serving God through, through the, the, this is good works after salvation now. Once we've trusted Christ to be our Savior, are we excited about being faithful and growing and doing God's will and serving him? Well, how does this look specifically? Some specific things of God's will to serve Him. We could let's turn to First Thessalonians and chapter number four. First Thessalonians and verse three. For this is the will of God. Oh, well, here the brass tacks. Here the rubber meets the road. A practical issue for the. This is the will of God, even your sanctification. How we serve God, how we grow for Him, that you should abstain from fornication. Well, I thought we are talking about knowing God's plan for our lives. And here we're talking about, about moral purity? Well, yes. There's no way we can say, oh, I want to know what God wants me to do if I'm living in sin. It's not just an actual uh, act of have, has someone committed adultery. No, the word fornication can include even just thoughts in the mind, even, even just the, uh, uh, laughing at a dirty joke the coworker might tell, or, or even... Even this includes, the passage continues describing this, the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles, which know not God. Uh, it, it speaks of, of um, verse 7, For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. We say we want to know God's will. Where are our, our, our eyes when, when something flashes in front of us, whether it's an advertisement on TV or whether it's a billboard? Do we let our eyes linger or, or, or do we say, No, I will put no unclean thing before mine eyes. Uh, what, what thoughts do we have when nobody else is around? It's so easy with, with cell phones these days uh, to nobody else around. Where, where are our, our eyes? And, and what, where is our mind? This is the will of God. That we abstain from fornication. That we live in moral purity. And then the passage continues. Jump over to verse 15. Not only moral purity, but as we're serving God, uh, how do we serve God? Not just by abstaining from sin but and moral purity, but then verse 15, See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Oh, I'd love to be called to this and such mission field, or I'd like to know if God wanted me to get involved in some kind of service for Him. I'd like to at least just know the will of God, what, what um, career path He wants me to follow, or school He wants me to go to. Well, right, these questions come up in our lives, and we want to know God's direction. Well, okay, so are we living in moral purity? But then also, as we're trying to serve Him, are we having, maintaining an attitude of thankfulness? 
of walking with God in sweet uh, service to Him with an attitude rejoicing evermore, with joy in our hearts, praying without ceasing, that we're constantly in an attitude of prayer. We're meditating on His Word and then, and then just talking to Him throughout the day, taking what we've learned in our devo morning devotions, applying it in our lives throughout the day, and, and talking to Him, praying without ceasing, and in everything giving thanks. How would our family, how would our neighbors, how would our coworkers describe us? Are we this type of person that, that uh, if you're born again, then, then are you a Christian who rejoices evermore? Always praying about things? Uh, always giving thanks? Are we always the complainers? Always the ones who are bitter? Always the ones who are looking for a chance to, to nitpick and looking for a chance to argue about things? Oh, what's the will of God for us? And, and then we could turn to, to Ephesians uh, chapter 6 where we read... If we're wanting to serve God, another practical application, servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling. Now it speaks of servants and masters, uh, but, but this wasn't just a, a brutal slave relationship. This was a term that was used for any kind of employer-employee situation. And so how do we respond on the job site at work? Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service, as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. So we want to know God's will, God's direction in our lives. Well, what's our attitude? A lot of it just comes down to our attitude as we are serving Him. Even at the job site, we can be serving Him, not just slacking off and then all the, somebody says oh the boss is coming better get busy if that's the type of person we are then how are we doing the will of God from the heart there's so many applications just the simple basic applications of serving God we're doing the will of God uh, we could we could even turn to um, 1 Peter 2 that talks about submitting to authority, to government authority. We could turn to, to Romans chapter 12 where it talks about, in fact, let's just turn to Romans chapter 12. And we read. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to the world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove, as we do these things, we will prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Well, if I submit to the will of God, it's going to be hard, it's going to be difficult, it's going to be dangerous, it's going to be complicated. God might call me, God might, might want me to do something terrible. No, it's, it's good, it's reasonable, it's acceptable, it's that perfect will of God. And it's interesting if we would take time, which we're not going to, but if we, if we were to, if you would, when you go home, read through the rest of this chapter, verses 3 through 21. What's the context? Service in our local church. And so we think about as we are serving in our local church, as we're serving God, wanting to do His will, that good, that perfect, that acceptable, that, that, that perfect will of God, we will be serving as a member of the local church, a member of the body of Christ. Hebrews chapter 13. As we're thinking about, about serving Him, 
serving God, serving those, uh, verse Verse 7, remember them which have the rule over you who have spoken unto you the word of God whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Who, who is it that has the rule over you? Well, this is specifically in chapter 13 speaking of those who spiritually have the rule over us. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is, not unpro for that is unprofitable for you. And so, as we're wanting to live lives of, of submission, serving God, let's be submissive to, to our boss, to our, uh, to our government authority, uh, even in the local church setting, being involved in the local church, and, and being a support to, to your pastor, and, and being an encouragement to him. And then, here, in, we just read Romans 12, 1 and 2, and we saw that this was the perfect will of God and it was acceptable, and it was good, and it was reasonable service. So we should surrender to it. Uh, as we present our bodies, we're not talking about just serving God. We're talking about surrendering to God. Have you surrendered to Him? Oh, I hope you have. Have you, could you say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this and do that? I'm reminded of what Isaiah said. And, and this uh, passage in Isaiah it goes along with our calling a lot because some people may say, um, God used this, uh, this passage to challenge me about a specific need in a specific place or a specific country, and, and from there I, I felt that I was called to go there. Well, it, it, to me it wasn't a, as much a, a direct call at one time. The Lord used a series of events to lead us to heading to New York City. Uh, but Isaiah said... He responded when God said, Who shall go? Who will go? And whom shall I send? And what did Isaiah say? Here am I. Send me. Are you surrendered? Are you willing to present your body a living sacrifice to God? Say, God, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want to do with my life, I'm willing. You may not feel capable. You may not feel adequate. You may not feel like, like you have everything to, to shake the world upside down and, and, and make a difference. But we're not talking about you making a difference. We're talking about you surrendering to the power of God. That whatever God wants to do through your life, you'll say, Sure. Sure, Lord. Here am I. Send me. If it means being an impact to that neighbor, if it means being a, a, an encouragement in your local church, if it means uh, being, uh, being a, a testimony on the workplace, being a witness to that family member. God, if, if you want to use me, I'm willing. So let me ask you just those, these three questions. We say we want to know and do God's will. Are you saved? Have you asked Him to be your Savior? And secondly, are you faithfully serving Him? That comes after salvation. It's, that's not a question before salvation. But once you're saved, once you're born again in the family of God, are you serving Him? And then thirdly, are you surrendered? To say to God, whatever you want to do with my life, take me and use me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would help each one of us to search in our own hearts how we can, can best be submitted to the will of God. If there's anybody here that's lost that has never been born again, would you bring conviction to that soul? And, and if there's someone here that would say, I, 
I'm not faithfully serving God, whether there's some area of, of sin, of, of moral impurity, or maybe some area of, of lack of thankfulness or a lack of, of submission to authority or, or of service in the local church, or, or some area that I've not been, been faithful in serving. I pray that you bring conviction. And, and Lord, if, if there's somebody here who, who is, has been serving you, but, but maybe never thought about surrendering to be willing, if you want to do bigger and better things and greater things through their life, that they're willing to do anything, go anywhere and do anything for you, would you help each one of us to completely submit ourselves to the will of God? And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Pastor. Let's all stand together. Uh, let's all stand together. It was a great message, a great challenge from the Word of God. And I want to read you a scripture. Corinthians chapter 15 says, Brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which ye also, listen to the words carefully, have received, and wherein ye stand. Our standing as a believer is never in any organization or a past or history, what we've done for Jesus, it's always in the gospel. That's the place the Christian stands. If you believe that, would you say amen? That's where the Christian stands, not in any things we've done. He says, by the which ye are saved. But then he says this very key phrase, and I want you to listen very carefully. If ye keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. It is important that every time as a believer we examine ourselves and say, Lord, did I believe in vain? Did I just make a profession of faith, pray some prayer, and then was my life never changed? If any man be in Christ, the Bible says he is a, if you know the verse, would you say it together with me? A what? A new creature. Do your kids see a new creature? Man, if they see a new creature, they'll want to be with the new creature. They'll want to be around the new creature. They'll want to be in the new creature's church because they'll say, wow, the new creature forgives. The new creature loves. The new creature is like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. I want others around me to see my Jesus is real. Do you, if you want that, I tell you, God wants to do great things. And would you just humble yourselves before the Lord and say, Lord, would you help me to take the gospel to somebody else? And would you examine yourself? You say, Pastor, if I come forward and pray, is that, am I saying I'm not saved? No. The Bible just says we ought to examine ourselves. We ought to say, Lord, would you search me? Lord, I, I, I prayed a prayer, Lord, and I've done this so many times since I prayed 21 years ago. Lord, I prayed a prayer. Lord, right now in my life, Lord, there's not the passion. There's a bitterness. There's whatever. Lord, would you show me if I'm really in the faith? You ought to ask that question to God on a regular basis. For all of us in the house, we ought to ask God that question on a regular basis. Lord, am I in the faith? And then... If I'm in the faith, I want to live for the faith. If you're not in the faith, you want to get saved. God wants you to get saved today. Because the gospel is that Jesus died, he was buried, and he rose again. The piano is going to play in just a moment. I encourage you to come forward however the Lord might have convicted you, all right? You don't need to raise your hand. Uh, but I encourage you to come forward and pray. However the Lord might have convicted you, whether that be to be a witness, whether that be to examine yourself, whether that be to have a heart of surrender to the Lord, whatever God spoke to you about today, Maybe it's about getting behind the missions program. Maybe you're not involved. Maybe it's about working a job so you can get behind the missions program. Whatever God's put on your heart to do, um, have a burden. Have a, have a vision. 
And uh, God wants to work in our hearts this morning. We'll close out the live stream. Thank you each for watching by way of live stream this morning. May God bless you in your homes today. And uh, let's play the piano, uh, and we'll take a moment right now. I encourage you to step forward. Just step forward and pray. Step forward and say, Lord, help me. Lord, use me. Whatever God has shown you, whatever, whatever he's leading, would you just come and pray? And seek the Lord. Set your heart right before him. Lord, help me. Lord, help me to be a witness. Lord, help me to pray like I should. Whatever it is, whatever God's speaking to you about, would you take a moment to do business with the Lord? To do business with God. to sing that chorus with us, I surrender all, I surrender all, but only sing it if you mean it, amen? God knows our hearts, and uh, we want to have a heart of surrender. Let's sing it together. If you know the words, and sing along with me, and sing it if you mean it, all right? I surrender all, I surrender all, all to Father, we thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. We thank you that you were buried and you rose again the third day. We thank you for the power of the gospel. Help us to live in light of that today. And Lord, help us to reach Granville with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray you'd raise up many in this midst who would just have a passion to reach people for Jesus. A passion to love their neighbor. And Lord, a passion to love those who, who are invested in that kind of work and to support them and to encourage them and to uh, be behind that. Help us with our missions program. Help us to move forward and do great things for you. Bless the Stalcup family. Uh, anoint them, guide them, use them, and enable them as they go to New York City. Open up a door for them to find good housing. And uh, Father, we just thank you for what you're going to do. Be with everyone, every home. Bless our study this afternoon, our time around the Word of God. We thank you for what you will do, for it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Uh, just a couple of announcements on your way out today. Don't forget, uh, tonight, 4 p.m., and Brother Stalkup will be with us for this, and uh, we are going to continue in the book, Lesson 3. I encourage everybody, make sure you're there on time, 4 o'clock this evening. If you haven't joined, you're welcome to join. Got two more books for that. Uh, ladies, this Wednesday night uh, at 4 p.m., Miss Stalkup's going to be speaking with the ladies, so plan to be a part of that. You'll have a little bit of a uh, change up in your schedule, and a uh, wonderful time together. Every lady's invited, 4 p.m. this Wednesday, and then Friday night, uh, I hope you plan to be a part of this, and uh, we, we have so many questions that come in. People have financial needs, and uh, financial help right here, right at your fingertips, and uh, best part about it 
as we got the videos, and you can watch them and join in with us. We're going to also offer this this summer. Uh, we're going to offer it, I think, in a morning this summer, uh, during the middle of the summer as well. I think people need help with money, especially you see what's happening in the economy. Wait till gas prices hit $6. I'm not trying to be a false prophet, but uh, they're, they're heading that, that way. Remember when Obama got elected? Remember what he said? He said, he said that uh, we're paying too cheap for our gas. He said it ought to be $8 a gallon. And I still remember those words years ago. And uh, you see how things are heading that direction. And we're going to need financial help, financial advice. It's a great class. This Friday night, continue at 7 p.m. We'll offer it again in the summer. And uh, may God bless each of you. Brother Stalkup, slide on the back of your table if you would. And uh, have a wonderful rest of the day. And uh, thank you each for being in God's house today. Mm -hmm.